From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Trish Wood on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hi, everybody. This is Trish Wood on The Fringe. You heard in the last hour uh, Ralph Scholhammer talking about how leaders today, and I use the word leader extremely loosely because they ain't leading. That's not what they're doing. Uh, denigrating their own people. And of course, it started really with Hillary Clinton's deplorables comment and worked its way across the food chain into our prime minister here in Canada. And um, I just wanted to remind you that I did name my show after something he said about our truckers, which is that they were a fringe, a small fringe minority, not small and not fringe and not a minority. They were a beloved, beloved protest movement here that was quashed under the the boot heel of the state. And uh, if you ever want to know more about them, there was an inquiry, the POEC inquiry has been written about by a friend of mine named Ray McGinnis in Covert Action Magazine. It's the best story about the truckers and it blows up probably most of the stuff you've heard about them in legacy media. It's really worth it. So, but that's why I, I and also, you know, who else was called fringe? Jay Bhattacharya, Martin Kuldorf and Sinatra Gupta, the, the, fathers of and mother of the Great Barrington Declaration, which was about focused protection, the usual pandemic plan that we had until they decided on lockdowns, also called fringe by uh, Tony Fauci. So for me, being on the fringe is an excellent place to be. You are in, in good company. I did promise you that I was going to read one little bit from this um, this is essentially a government, it's like workers' compensation, it's called the WSIB in Ontario. And um, this was their approving of benefits for psychological trauma experienced by Richard Biltzo, who killed himself a few weeks ago. I, I hate to even bring talk about these things because they, it is can be contagious. So I, I will say, if you are feeling upset, do uh, go to the nearest emergency department or call a helpline. I'm going to say that, but but this was an important story to do. So um, here's how they summed up after doing an investigation what happened to him on April 26, 2021. You attended an equity meeting in which the speaker made several statements that Canada is more racist than the United States. As you have experienced teaching in Buffalo, New York, you stated that Canada's society is more is a more just society than in the United States, meaning no slavery, etc. You report that at this time the speaker put you in her crosshairs, that's his quote, and publicly humiliated you during this meeting in front of your co-workers, calling you a white supremacist and resistor. It was words to that effect. You report that you attempted to move forward from this, although you began to experience mental stress symptoms such as anxiety and insomnia. In a subsequent meeting with two 200 of your colleagues, the speaker continued to harass and humiliate you further, doubling down on the reference to you being a white supremacist and that you were a resistor. You reported that the speaker spoke about you for approximately one hour in this manner and attempted to vilify and demonize you in front of your colleagues, including senior administration. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, what they were doing after doing an investigation 
was saying, yeah, that really happened to him and they paid him. And the, the, the tragic outcome is obviously not because he attended a meeting. That's not a straight line. And people take this, this measure for a multitude of reasons. It's usually multifactorial, but what happened at those meetings did help to end his career. And so that was what happened at the, there was a series of events, this anti-racist training uh, was upsetting and traumatic. And then because it happened in front of people, it was almost like a libel and it really hurt his career in as a, as a fair, he was a very, very accomplished uh, school principal. So that story is going around the world. It happened here in Toronto. I got the documents. I did a show about it on my other podcast, Trish, what is critical. And I'm going to be doing a sub stack with posting some of the documents too. So you can read them for yourself. Coming up, one of my favorite guests is, uh, Karen Hunt. She writes the Break Free newsletter on Substack. And I discovered her way back when in the COVIDian times. I think there's just still COVIDian times, but but really COVIDian times early on where very few people were saying smart stuff. We were still kind of really, really struggling for people to be writing smart, honest, and true things. And she was one of them. And um, she's also a very nice person and, a, and an extremely critical thinker. So, um, Karen, I, I want to start off by asking you about the piece that you, I think you just recently wrote, in which you are writing about Andrew Tate and um, James Aldean, the country singer, who I talked mm-hmm. about on my show recently. Um, I, I don't know if you heard the the past hour, but I was talking to Ralph Schoelhammer from, Schoelhammer from Germany about my chagrin that Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens had um, given him a platform as they did so uncritically. It really struck me as unusual, especially for Tucker, who is a terrific journalist. So I'm just wondering what your take on that is, because it's for me, as much as anything else, it's also a media story. It's like, what's going on here? So what, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, it's really nice to be with you again. I always love uh, our conversations. Um, Me too. So, yeah, so I was just blown away um, that out of all the people or the men that Tucker Carlson could choose to interview, he chose Andrew Tate. And so I, I, you know, I listened to the entire interview and to me, it was very fascinating, especially as, you know, he has become a Muslim, which is... um, which was a very smart thing for him to do in a, in a sort of, in a sense, um, he's reinventing himself, um, and which is very clever of him. But also I was very, uh, you know, um, shocked and wanted to think why Tucker Carlson would choose to interview him out of all the men <laughs> out there, you know, and then yeah. at the same time, um, you know, uh, Jason Aldean's, uh, 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 song came out um, about sort of, you know, standing up and living in a small town. And so I sort of thought about all of those things in relation to, because I, you know, I, I have firsthand experience of living in Egypt, in Luxor, and experiencing what it's like to be there as a woman, and um, and also living in a small town there. So there were, so I sort of play in, in my in my essay, I sort of talked about, you know, the good side of that, 
uh, what it means, what these men did in that small village in relation, exactly in relation to what um, Jason Aldean was talking about in his song, where the people in a village or a small town, they know each other and they like in, in Luxor during the, you know, the, the Arab Spring and uh, these um, dissenters or these these uh, people that tried to rile, rile things up, tried coming into Luxor. But the men there, and by the way, everybody there has a rifle. I just want to start with this before we get into the other. So you give a bigger, you know, bigger perspective of this. Um, and everybody, everybody has a rifle in their home and nobody's telling them they should get rid of it, you know. Um, and so all the men banded together to protect their their neighborhoods, essentially their villages. And the minute wow. that a dissenter came in, they knew yeah. I mean, immediately they were able to identify them and they got them out. And um, so I related that to what, um, you know, Aldine was talking about in, in, in his song and how these things, how the practicalities of life, you know, if you're, pra if this happens to you in a small town, don't you want to have a gun? Don't you want to defend your your family? And so these these basic you know truths or, or instincts that we have are being twisted to appear to be wrong, and everything's being yeah. sort of turned upside down. So there was that aspect of it that I found um, interesting. Um, then, but then the whole thing, you know, knowing what it means to be, you know, for a lot of these men. Um, who who are who are Muslims, and the same thing can happen with a Christian or anyone in any religion who can pick and choose the parts of it to justify their behavior, basically. And so I think that is what um, what what he has done to justify sort of this sort of dominance o over women. And it's very interesting when you relate this to everything that's happening, um, you know, with also the can women basically being silenced and canceled. So in a sense, it's it's sort of coming now from both sides. And the fact that, you know, and and that Tucker Carlson was basically sitting there like a fanboy, you know, with, with I this. I know, it was so really. weird. I couldn't believe it. I know, I know. Yeah, with this horrible, horrible, horrible man. And yeah. uh, I mean, just just a sleazy, sleazy man. And me being a kickboxer and a fighter, I've, I've, I've met plenty of men like him in that world as well. It's not, you know, I, and these men that are, that they're so, you know, he comes across to me as ironically, incredibly insecure that he has to yeah. continually be proving himself as a man and then yeah. to be influencing all these younger men and that, that, that people cannot you know, have, have a high standard. You can, you know, it's like the deceit that can be justified now through success because you are successful you can justify um deceit you know and so this That's is sort so of what's smart. happening and and that and then that candace owen would come on board and and i really feel like a lot of these influencers who started out very idealistic they've also been captured by this you know they have to have the clicks they have to have the you know who knows who's influence who's behind the scenes you know also saying okay well we've studied this you know this algorithm or whatever and we know that this can bring you blah 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 so do it you know who's funding her now you know i mean th th this is the thing that happens so to be able to keep your independence to keep your you know it's a very becoming more and more difficult yep. and the waters are becoming more uh, murkier and murkier yeah well that's a very boy you made 10 interesting points there and i always <laughs> say this when i have an opportunity and i'm just going to say it tnt radio is one of the 
last places in the world. No one ever says, book this guy, book that person, or you can't have that person on. Not once. No one is. Well, once there was a conference, they wanted me to interview one of the doctors, but it was somebody I would have anyway. Um, but I've never had anybody influence what I say, do, talk about who I book. Never, ever, ever. So props to TNT and the people mm -hmm. who are listening right now. Thank you for supporting it. But th that is really interesting because you you know, you talk about the fact that some of these influencers may be being influenced themselves. Now, I know with Tucker, he's gone from Fox. He's supposed to be a, you know, a super free man now. He's dropping his shows on Twitter. I don't know that 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 Tucker can be captured. At least I hope not. I think he just, I don't know. I, I know he's got a good research team. I think he just made a mistake. And, um, I, I think maybe I know why he did it, because one of Tucker's themes has been the mistreatment of young white men who are just treated like garbage now. And, you know, we, we've seen many of our kids be ruined by eating carbs and sitting in the basement playing games and being afraid of women and not knowing how to sort out their lives. So these big macho guys come in and they're seen as a bit of an antidote because they feel like throwbacks. So I, I fear that that may have colored his judgment. With Candace, who is, uh, she's Daily Wire, and the people on Daily Wire make a lot of money. Yeah. I think they offered louder with Crowder like 10 or 15 million a year or something like that. And he's wow. not very good. Yeah. He's just not that smart. Right. And I think he, yeah. Anyway, enough about that. I won't say anything bad about him, but <laughs> yeah. So, so it may have been in her case or, you know, the thing about women interviewing Andrew Tate in that way is if, if I was asked to do it, I would I would research the heck out of him and take a few shots and see how he did. You know, like I'd I was really good at the accountability interview, and I certainly would have done one with, with him given the allegations. Your point, just one more thing you said, your point about success ameliorating past sins is also true. Look at Jay-Z. I mean, wasn't Jay-Z a drug dealer or something? Right. And now he sits, he dines with kings in, in the White House with no judgment. So I, I also think you're, I mean, I do think people should be forgiven, but I think Andrew Tate's problems were like about five minutes ago or something. Right? <laughs> well, he's not asking for forgiveness either. He's not, I mean, he's not, um, you know, in, in the well, traditional. Well, neither did Jay Z. Like yeah, neither did Jay Z actually, as no. far as I know. But sorry, no, go ahead. No, they Karen. they're they're allowed into as you say they they become successful. They become successful by doing whatever they can, and in one sense, you know, walk in their shoes. You know, who who am I to say? Um, you know, but 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 you you know you can compare that to somebody like I would, I was just listening. What's his name? The the main guitarist from Corn. I was listening to an interview by him uh, just last night, and he became you know he 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 gave up everything. He recognized his you know dare I use the word sin or his wrongdoing, you know, yeah. and gave up the you know this is this is um, where you find you know a sort of a, a redemption. Uh, a previous essay that I wrote was about um, uh, uh, was about Stan Tukey Williams, the founder of of the Crips, you know, who was um, put to death on death row, and 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 you know there was a film made about him called Redemption. You know, we don't. Th this has gone by the wayside now. It's all about success, glory, fame, um, and and that's the measure by which we we 
we judge you know our our heroes or or whatever so so this is really problematic for me um especially as you know as a as a woman and i don't know what if if i were to interview andrew tate i don't think it would go very well but yeah, um, right <laughs> you know because yeah. i've just yeah. known too many you know men like that and to see through it and i and and i and i feel you know to see candace owen uh on doing that was was were you know it was really hard for me. i couldn't actually watch the entire interview yeah me neither just, i couldn't do it you know, I couldn't yeah i couldn't do it, it. But but yeah, I have to yeah. say about Tucker Carlson, it's interesting because then he interviewed Ice Cube, and so I sort of understood his his uh, his reasoning because what he's doing is simply, you know, if you were to look at it like this, giving a voice and letting people, you know, these people speak. So uh, I don't know if you saw that that inter or the, there's it's done in sections. I did. Yeah, did, so I yeah. so I really, you know, I relate a lot to that having started a creative writing program for incarcerated youth in Los Angeles, knowing those streets, knowing, uh, you know, what what uh, those young people face every day, and that he really care. He seems to, you know, he he didn't leave. Well, I think actually, yeah. I think he moved to Encino, but you know, okay, that's okay, but because he still stayed, uh, you know, a part of his neighborhood and stayed connected to, his, you know, his people basically. Yeah, and, I loved and I him. He, I loved his yeah. smile too. He just seemed like and, a guy you, you'd want to have dinner you with, see, right? You could see yeah. that he had had had, you know. Um, had some wisdom with with age yes. and i even said that in my essay about andrew tate that you know perhaps he'll go to prison perhaps as hop happens he'll find his redemption you know maybe he's not there yet you know who am, who are any of us to say maybe he'll be humbled you know yeah. and um yeah. come out a, a different person we don't know anyone's journey but um but but what's concerning is the influence that that has and the way that they are pushing people this was sort of the thrust of my essay in into extremism continually pushing us into extremism on either side you cannot you know be a moderate you must you know be an extreme you must be filled with hate for the other side you might you, you know this is the type of thing that's happening and whether tucker carlson meant it or not that was the biggest largest viewed interview of all time or whatever it's having a huge impact on young men on conservative yeah. young men who are now you know and I don't feel the same thing from Jason Aldean's, um, although they tried to tried to frame it as such that it was promoting violence. It was it was not pro promoting violence. It was just sort of promoting the practicalities of life. That's how I felt, which they don't want well, us to think of. They don't want us to think about those things. I, I want to go for a break. Um, and I just want to, I have one more thing I want to talk to you about vis-a-vis -vis the, the Jason Aldean thing, because we did talk about him and we even played a little bit of the song last week on the show, which was so fun. <laughs> um, I want to talk a bit more about that, but we'll go to break and then be back in a moment. This is Trish Wood with Karen Hunt on TNT Radio. You should hear what David McBride and Dr. Robert Brennan are talking about. The robo-debt fallout continues. That is very important for us. And uh, in the sense that people are beginning to see that the public service and uh, the whole way we do government in Australia, it needs to be changed. Once someone has a sort of crazy political idea like robo-debt bash the doll block, just it runs and runs and runs. And there's no adult supervision to say, hang on, you know, do we really 
really want to do this. It's not even legal. Um, everybody runs for it because everybody gets promoted according to how much they run. And it, it, Catherine Campbell has been suspended and was the head of the department. It's interesting to see that she was also head of DFAT after that. So she got promoted for her performance in relation to Roma. The, the government were not displeased with her. They were incredibly pleased with her. And also she's a major general in the Defence Force Reserve. So she's got what they want in Canberra. And she's also got a conspicuous service cross. You know, that is what they want. McBride and Brennan with David McBride and Dr. Robert Brennan on TNT Radio. As suicide rates continue to rise, so do the number of lost survivors seeking support. Kindness matters, and to the more than 5 million people around the world who lose a loved one to suicide each year, it matters a lot. The Alliance of Hope for Suicide Loss Survivors provides healing and compassionate support during the lonely and tumultuous aftermath of suicide. We help people survive suicide loss and go beyond just surviving to lead meaningful and productive lives. If you've lost a loved one to suicide, you are not alone. Help is just a click away. Visit allianceofhope.org. A message brought to you by TNT Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. Hi, everybody. Trish Wood back with Karen Hunt. I just wanted to say one more thing about Jason Aldean, and we're having a bit of a discussion about masculinity. I wasn't intending to talk this much about it, but clearly smart people like Karen and also Ralph Scholhammer were thinking about it and had the same reaction I did, which makes me feel like less of a jerk. I'm always loath to criticize Tucker, who has a really special place in, you know, kind of in my curated uh, news feeds because he's been right and courageous and has in many ways helped me understand that it is not democracy, it's a uniparty, and they don't have our best interests at heart. For that alone, he deserves a Nobel Prize. So when he, and I'm a trained journalist, you know, back when that meant something. So when he falters that way, it's kind of, it kind of rocks my world a little bit. So I'm glad I wasn't the only one. But what I want to say about, about the, um, the James Aldean song, which is Try That in a Small Town, the video is a lot of, uh, shots and images and video of the riots and other things that happened. And and the song essentially is just saying, I'm going to protect where I live, which is really delicious now because no one talks that way. And it reminded me of a vibe when I was a kid, I had an older sister and I was getting bullied by these slightly older guys uh, on my way home from school frequently. And at some point she kind of convinced a bunch of her friends who were older to shut that down. She sent the lads out, the older <laughs> boys out to shut that down, right? It's like they were coming to the rescue. I felt protected, right? It didn't ever happen again. And and the James Aldean song, and oddly, the truckers here, all, even though they were led by a woman, there was a lot of masculine energy. I knew a lot of them, the guys, Chris Barber, who's been on this show, and and Tom Morazzo has been on this show and Danny Bulford too. Like the, the, you know, I, I was saying, where are the men, where are the men during the mandates and all the craziness that was happening here. And that kind of had the same vibe, right? And that, so does the Aldean mm. song, which, and maybe that's why the left is so threatened by the idea that there can be a good masculine energy that actually is useful. Right. Sadly, um, Andrew Tate is not that. He is 
not that. But I also just wanted to comment too on Ice Cube because he just seemed like a really cool person and somebody I would have dinner with. He had a big smile. And I think that you can't have redemption in life unless you're prepared to admit what you did was wrong and really mean it and make amends. This is what they tell us in in the rooms, right? When we're trying to get better from drinking. You know, you have to make amends to people and you have, you have to tell the truth. I'm not sure Andrew Tate gives me the vibe that he's done that. And Ice Cube does seem like he's done that. So cheers, cheers to him. Um, I want to talk to you. Yeah, I want, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the idea that you raised it earlier. You said they're trying to turn us against each other. And I, when you, when I read that in your latest essay, I thought, wow, that's really, really true. How did you land on that idea? You know, I, I can see it. I think I see it very clearly because of what I did in juvenile hall when I was, um, when I was, you know, when I went into juvenile hall and started working with youth and I sat down at a table with with uh, these young people uh, from different neighborhoods um, and they and they came from different they were told that they needed to hate each other and yeah. because they lived on a different street there was no there was no rationale rationality to it but they became um, but they felt that they needed to uh, fight against one another and wear certain colors and all this type of thing and when I and when I sat down with them at this table and they started looking at each other in the eyes and they started sharing their stories with one another honestly and they started seeing how they were more the same than they were different and this is what is so dangerous to our you know uh, to to those who who want to um, control us they do they have put us into uh, separate lanes very very well during covid i remember uh, in the beginning of covid you heard a lot online it was people saying to other people just stay in your lane just stay in your lane there was a lot of um vitriolic uh, fighting uh, uh, on facebook you know during those days if you if you dared yeah. to say anything against against covid you were just you were just pummeled by yeah. by you know warriors on on social media and so that's how they got us to to be separated to very you know to to identify uh, different people and now we do not communicate across those those barriers. We are absolutely no. put into our lanes. And I talk a lot about that with Elon Musk and Twitter. And, you know, I, 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 those are other conversations that I have in my essays. Um, but so I could, I saw how this happened because I saw how the power of communication of people, of different people coming together and facing one another face to face, looking at each other in the eyes and telling each other their stories and how it broke down those barriers. And so I think I, that's how I recognize how I was able um, to to recognize that and for myself that if I dared ever to speak out um, <laughs> throughout my entire life how 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 dangerous that is to the people who are who are in power who seek to control you and they will just try and stomp you down and pummel you and put you in your place and keep you there and make you fearful of ever you know getting out of that space that, that they put you in so I think that's one of the things that made me um, that you know that made me recognize that 
It's really odd how, um, especially where I live in, in Toronto, the population here is so completely out of touch. And I shouldn't say it's odd. It's not odd. It's because the media in Canada is terrible and the CBC, our public broadcaster, is one of the worst in the world for being completely captured. No question about that. I used to work there, I will tell you. Mm. It is true. And we have just elected a far left of center mayor, right? And and only 10% of the population who could vote did vote really small numbers. People are just giving up. And what I'll tell you what happened, that there were, there was uh, Olivia Chow, who is the far left person who won, um, whose husband I used to know quite well back in the day when I was left of center, which I'm not anymore, but, um, and he was a decent guy. He, he died of cancer youngish and he was a pretty decent mm-hmm. guy. But, um, so she's the mayor and in the, in the, political campaigns, there was she and about five or six or seven other candidates, most of whom were to the right of her, if those kind of definitions still can even work these days, right? But people who were, you know, not, she's a, I think she's an avowed socialist, actually. But what happened was, number one, none of the issues that we were interested in adjudicating, people like us, like 15-minute cities and we want to keep our cars and all the crazy stuff they're doing with bike lanes in a city that is mostly too cold or too hot or too snowy to ride a bike in anyway. It's ridiculous that we bend over backwards for these things that people can't even use. None of those, and the densification of of the downtown, which is out of control. None of those issues were on the table, right? It was a whole other bunch of weird stuff that most average people don't care about. But what happened was the vote on if I could say our side of people that we even had maybe some hope that they were going to solve some of those things was split between five people. Right. And as I was watching it happen, I thought, wow, I wish you guys would get in a room and figure out who's just going to run against Olivia so we can have a chance, but we didn't, we didn't even have a chance. And so I'm feeling less and less enamored with our system. It's not Canada is not actually a democracy. It says it is. It's not. There's so much wrong with what's happening here right now politically and administratively that it's it's really dire. But I and I would say also watching what's happening in Washington with Biden et al that um, that America is no longer a democracy either. You can't have a democracy without a working media. Full stop. You just can't. And that's what's happening here. So I fear um, where we're going. I just don't think that we have access to the levers of power anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's it's just, I, I wrote a piece uh, way back in September 2021 called Utopian Madness. And I <laughs> talked about um, one of my favorite pieces and I talked about actually mass psychosis before it was ever being talked about, and um, and it, it, that this that this psychosis is built upon delusions, you know, originating in the in the um, ruling class, and that no matter how powerful the elite may be, no matter how intelligent or benignly nerdy, they're they're just insane. I just you know said they're they're crazy, and what they're pushing on us is just you know it's it's rather frightening because you we feel like we're. Uh, you know, we're being led on this mad, insane path, like dimming the sun and, you know, all these, all these fantastical, you know, science fiction type solutions to problems when, when the real problem is that we're not 
you know, we're just, we're, we're not on the, on the, we have no moral morals. We have no values. Yeah. We have no, you know, we're not taking care of our own, you know, the, the, you know, caring about our neighbor, you know, thing that the things that, that, that made America, you know, a wonderful place, you know, just working hard in your neighborhood. You know, I remember, the whole flyovers, you know, the, the derision that on the two coasts, you know, the, the East and the West Coast talking about flyover yeah. states, you know, yeah. and, and, um, and how, um, you know, those people in those flyover states where the, well, those are the common sense, you know, that, that those common sense values that we have are just have just gone out out the window and um and i think the whole thing about you know that people i i said it in, you know like two a year two years ago that of this menticide these waves upon waves of 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 disasters and horrors and then they give you a moment of peace you know where oh you can take your masks off now you know oh everything's going to yeah. be fine so you people just stop it's so overwhelming people and I said, yeah. the, my fear was that people would, as you say, become weary, you know, they're weary yeah. of trying to stand against this and that they just kind of fall and collapse into this, into this zombified state, you know, and, and, I, and that's, I think, what's happening, because how do you fight against these waves upon waves of, you know, disasters and, and evils and, you know, you, you just, it, it's impossible. So you just sort of give in and give up. Most people do. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with, with that take on this. I mean, I spent the last, I guess, 10 days or so reading the Europe is boiling headlines from, and I just like, do they get together in a room and just decide that this is going to be the horror of the week that they're going to pump up? Maybe they did it because of the debanking of Nigel Farage, who, hooray, he won that round uh, quite nicely. Two people are gone and maybe a third firing and there should be a third firing as a result of it. He got that document that was like written by a 16 year old mm. social justice student. It's just, I mean, how terrifying was that? But, but right. Like I, I see these headlines and you know what else happened? This is, I don't know if this happens to you. I am a critical thinker. I, I run a podcast on critical thinking. Critical thinking is my life now. I'm really good at detecting mm. BS and, and discovering paradigms and understanding where the lie is. So are you. But I will tell you that in the midst of the Europe is boiling propaganda last week, I, I for a minute, and, and then we had a big problem in Nova Scotia here, there were huge floods, and I thought, am I wrong about this? Like, <laughs> right? Like, I, it's, it's, th this is the world we live in now when you're, my, my friend Greg Simons of uh, Uppsala University says that they kind of do this on purpose, because like you just said, you, we get weary right? Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe they're right this time. Maybe they're, you know, it's just, it's really, really hard to be alive in this informational landscape right now. Sometimes I just want to pack it in and, and grab two suitcases full of, you know, crime <laughs> novels or something and, right, go to a cabin and just cleanse the palate because it's really, really hard to know what's true, which is why people like you, by the way, and Colonel Douglas McGregor and some of my favorite people in the world on big topics are a little bit like cleansing the palate because your analysis <laughs> is so, so spot on. Um, I think we're going to go to a break, Karen, and then we'll be back in a minute. This is Trish Wood on TNT Radio with Karen Hunt. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. So we've got a new term, global boiling. Why stop there? Are any of you fans of the TV series, The Office? Remember Michael Scott's movie, Threat Level Midnight? Let's go to Threat Level Midnight. 
Global boiling is not enough. Speaking of boiling, did you know that despite all the regional heat and Hey, Phoenix is having its hottest month ever by a long shot right now, so not making fun of it. But did you know that the cooling degree day season in the United States, which starts in May, is well below normal? In fact, it is way below the five-year normal. Now, I'm talking about the United States again here. Do you know wildfires are at record low levels? How come we're not hearing about that? Do you know that the heat wave that is in the eastern part of the United States now, which by the way did not reach the levels forecasted, is getting driven out and it may be until mid-August that you can get two or three days back up above normal again in a lot of those places. And Europe, <laughs> well it's the exact opposite of last year. I'm sorry I'm laughing about all this, but it is being totally swept under the rug how cool Europe is getting. It has been spreading southeastward, and frankly, I think August is going to be well below normal, far enough below normal, so everywhere from the Alps northward would have had a summer that was at or below normal. And that'll be the case in much of the United States, too, population weighted, despite the heat that we see. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Challenging the consensus and debunking the narrative. This is Viewpoint. George Soros backed attorneys include Alvin Bragg from Manhattan, New York, elected in 2021, stated that his office would not be seeking prison sentences for crimes such as armed robbery, drug dealing, and burglary. Under Joe Gonzalez from Bexar County, Texas, Violent crime reportedly increased by 15% in San Antonio, while convictions dropped by 17%. John Cruzard became the DA of Dallas County in 2018 and immediately moved forward with a plethora of radical reform policies, including decriminalizing theft under $750, criminal trespass, and drug possession. During his first year in office, crime reportedly increased by 15%, while total convictions dropped by 30%. Jose Garza, elected in 2020 as Austin's DA, has developed a reputation for letting violent offenders go free on little to no bail. Gaza released hundreds of inmates from jail over COVID-19 protocols, even though only six people in Austin at the time were known to have had COVID-19. Under Gaza, police budgets have been slashed and Austin has experienced skyrocketing crime rates and a record number of homicides. Trish Wood on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hi, everybody. It's funny how those PSAs kind of pick up what discussion we're having. I did not schedule those PSAs. But kind of crazy. Anyway, <laughs> I know it's sort of funny. I guess we're on a hot topic. Um, I just want to, I want to ask you about something you wrote about the Jacob Blake um, situation in a minute. But I mm. also want to say that, um, you know, we are living in a time when I feel like we're kind of losing ground. You know, we had, it's, it's a, it's very interesting in, in Toronto. I don't know if this is happening there, but we now have all these Muslim parents fighting back against trans ideology in the schools. And I think that is absolutely fantastic. And, uh, I think it's, it's really great because in a sense, it gives the rest of us protection. Cause mm -hmm. there, and, and Trudeau said, I don't know if you know this or not, but Trudeau said, um, that the only reason they're, 
arguing against this really extreme ideology in the in the classroom is because far right American extremists have propagandized them. Can you imagine that? how insulting? Like, let's remove the agency from our. I mean, just ridiculous. But, but anyway, I want to talk to you about the the Jacob Blake thing that you wrote about because for me, when that happened, the the, the Jacob Blake story, he was one of the people during this kind of summer where every time a black person was shot by the police, the world went crazy, and he was. It was controversial. The police said he pulled a knife, and, and in the end, we learned he did pull a knife. Um, but when the story first broke, a lot of people were cheering this guy on like he lived, like he was some kind of a hero. And that really offended me because Jacob Blake is a guy who, I don't know if he was sexually, he was sexually assaulting women. He was a terrible yes. guy. He was terrible to women. And here in Toronto, our beautiful Raptors my favorite, or were my favorite team, the year after they won the championship, one of them, a guy named Fred Van Vliet in a Black Lives Matter sticker on his, on his jersey, was rep- representing for Jacob Blake. And I thought, dude, like, you have female fans. You know, you can't just cheer for this guy because he's a black person who was shot by a cop. Let's look at the circumstances before we start carrying water for this guy. I mean, I was so offended by that. And you wrote about it in connection with Kamala Harris, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, I I wrote about it at more at uh, at that time too. I was just appalled by it, and so I brought it because I've never forgotten that, and it was a, a huge oh. moment for me, um, me because it just you know, I mean, do people? I people have lost their minds. They've lost their ability. You know, they really want people to be uh, react emotionally to things. And we're really, you know, people are being so much manipulated, um, you know, by these algorithms and by, I mean, people don't even know how much they're being manipulated into, you know, their free will being taken from them and thoughts being implanted into their heads and, their re- and, and being sort of manipulated to have certain reactions. But um, yeah, so when that happened, you know, people, people were just reacting emotionally. I remember when everybody, suddenly all my friends, everybody on Facebook, they blacked out their, you know, profiles yeah. for BLM. You know, I refused yeah. to do that. It's like, I don't know anything yeah. about that. Why, why should I be, you're just reacting to something without any thought, without any, you know, it, it was just, you know, it, I will never, ever bow you know, I will never bow, you know, people bowing, who do I, I bow to no one but God, you know, I mean, it's just, it, to me, it was beyond belief. And so when um, Kamala Harris did that, and then she, you know, she treated him like a hero. And, I, and as I say in the piece, you know, she, she sort of went and just praised him, his courage and all this despair for this vile human being who assaulted, who had gone to assault his, you know, his or his previous wife or the mother of his children. And no one ever asked that woman, did you ever hear about her? Did we ever hear anything about her? Was she ever helped? Did Kamala Harris ever go and say, wow, can I do something for you? And your child, how about the children? Did she, do we know, do we know who those children are? I mean, I mean, he got in a car. He was going to drive off with those children. Should, yeah. should the police have let him, if those were your, you know, I ask anybody, you know, if those were your children, would you have wanted the police to allow him to do that? You know, as the mother of those children, you know, this is what, and, but people were not thinking like this. It was incredible to me. Well, that that was one of the 
times in the last few years where I, I really, really noticed that we're living in a fact-free world, right? It didn't, the facts of the Jacob Blake case did not matter, right? What mattered were the optics. I believe there was video. I hope I'm not making it up, but I think there was video, which is what catapulted the story to the, into the headlines. Um, what the only thing that mattered was that, a, a you know, white cops, maybe there were black cops too, who knows, um, shot this guy, right? And so after that happens, it didn't matter if he was Ted Bundy, you know, you can't, you can't mm -hmm. do that. So they become an instant, even though he didn't die, I think he was paralyzed or something, but you, know, you become yeah. an instant paralyzed. Yeah. You become a martyr. And, uh, and I, you know, as someone who has sort of lived in the world of facts and, and investigative journalism to see the news media getting carried away with that. I, you know what happened to me? I discovered a guy online named Officer Tatum. He does a YouTube show. He's a former cop. He's a devout conservative, really smart guy, quite entertaining. And he had all the kind of inside poop on that case and the documents and went through them. And it was, I mean, it, of course they shot him. <laughs> I mean, based on everything that happened that day, I mean, they would have been negligent if they hadn't shot the guy. Because the yeah. other thing, and I, I kind of knew this from being being a police reporter, but when you're dispatched to a residence or to a car where there's a license plate, right? The the headquarters of the police department is sending you on a computer printout in the car in your cop car. All the person's background, is he violent? What's he been convicted of? Da, da, da. So when you get where you're going, you know if you're meeting a dangerous person. So the police that went to that residence that day of his girlfriend, where he'd parked his car, so they knew where they were going, and she called it in, so they knew well who he was by the time um, he got there. They knew they were dealing with a bad dude. They knew mm. that. They didn't just, you know, randomly shoot some guy who pulled a knife. They knew he was capable of really bad behavior. So so I, I saw that and I, I watched it play out in the news like he was some heroic, you know, creature who, you know, represented all of the best of mankind and he was a victim. And I just thought, wow, we are really losing it. But But the other part of that too is that the news media is still saying, as is Hakeem Jeffries and others, Democrats, that five people were killed on January 6th. Mm. And I'm not, not including Ashley Babbitt, right? But I mean, they're still saying that the, the January 6th protesters killed five cops or something. I mean, it's just it didn't happen that way. So this is part of, I think, what you're alluding to in this Grace piece. Sorry to go on, but it, just the idea. Yeah, where, yeah. This is not good for us to be hit with lies constantly, right? No, and and you can ask anyone, you know, on anybody anywhere. And January six was, you know, a, you know they were trying to take, you know, they, for for all for all people know, you know, these were all evil people with guns and machine, you know, I don't know what, you know, trying to overrun and overtake the, the, the government. And, you know, even though, you know, we found out that there were FBI, you know, they were being manipulated, obviously being manipulated as well to do this, you know, and, and it's quite incredible. You cannot shift people's um, opinions because as we said, you know, this has been going on for a while, you know, as I, as I said previously, you know, since the beginning of COVID, people have been put into these categories, into these lanes, you know, and what they see and what they hear is very, very uh, 
ca uh, um, catered to them. So even, um, you know, conservatives or whatever, they only hear one thing as well. You know, they only hear yep. one side. Like I really, like it, it, I, when I write my pieces, I read all kinds of news. I'll read as much, you know, the New York Times as I'll read, you know, I read every, everything that I can from all different perspectives so that I can have an informed, you know, so that, you know, I'm trying to keep my brain free, you know, free of a constant, relentless um, influence of one voice. And they want you to have that voice. They want you yeah. to be an extremist. They want yeah. extremism. They want to be able to say, see, look at those people over there. They are extremists. We need to um, corral them. We need to silence them. We need to, you know, we, they, we need to be afraid of them. We, you know, this is all, a, it, it's like a setup, you know, and people are falling for it. But if I know like if you're in a neighborhood and you have these kind of idealistic views, whatever. Like I was, I was thinking, you know, where my where my daughter lives on this nice cul-de-sac, whatever. Like if the apocalypse came or suddenly there was something that happened, all of these all of these idealistic views are, are go out the window. If you've yeah. lived in a war zone, you you there right then, right there, all you care about is protecting your family, and you'll do anything to protect your family, and you will make alliances not based on well, you know, you're not going to say, oh, do you believe in Black Lives Matter or whatever? No, you're you know, it, it's it's a whole different level of um, you know, and and this is I think Americans, you know, you people realize this more in you know in other countries where they've been like. People who come here from Cuba, you know, they see what's going on. Americans are very, very naive, I think, in a lot of ways. But I think, yeah, and so that's yeah, why, I agree. like Jason Aldean's, you know, that that song struck a chord because that song's true. You know, I saw that also in Luxor. You know, I might not have, you know, I, I, I on the one hand, you know, I, it was a those men were horrible <laughs> creatures towards women, but on the other hand, when it came down to it, they protected their their families, they protected their neighborhoods. And, and so, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of different layers to things. It's not just all one thing or another. And to be able to look at all of that, uh, it makes it harder to draw conclusions and they want us all to just make a conclusion. That's it. And not think about it. And we're now we're going to put you over here and we're going to put you over here and now you're going to fight and now you're going to be weak, you know, because you're, you're fighting against yeah. one another rather than what, you know, rather than the power that has manipulated you to be there. I really think that young men have got growing up today have, have a real problem. You know, I think we've got a, mm -hmm. I interviewed a guy who'd written a book about how we're kind of destroying them with a whole bunch of stuff. And um, I, I think we've really got to rethink it. You know, I, I think suicides are high and, you know, the, the concept of actually having a full life and a wife and children has slipped away for some people. And I, I just think it's a really, really difficult time. I, and I think it is in part due to, the feminist movement in places out of control and um, denigration of of young men, especially young white men. I mean, it's just that this is something Tucker Carlson and I totally agree on. Mm -hmm. I think he and I just maybe have. I don't think the solution is Andrew Tate. Just to bring this back, I want to talk about something I saw in the chat. I'm just getting the hang of the chat now that we have going <laughs> on. Um, and one of the people said something about Chris Skye, and he did run in Toronto. Yes, you're right, and you knew that. But but he was in this group of people that, sh in my view, should have got together and said, none of us are going to win, so let's 
pick between us who should run against Olivia Chow. I wish that had happened. I don't think Chris Guy had much of a chance. He's He's got some pretty good ideas, and he was one of the first people calling out the COVID nonsense. It was really refreshing, and we all owe Chris a debt of gratitude. But um, I think he's got too much other stuff going on that he would probably never actually ever really be elected here. And then someone else said something about Jordan Peterson in the context of, of, of people for young men to admire. And um, I think in the olden days, um, maybe up until what he's doing now, he was more focused on that. He, mm. um, the 12 rules for life, I bought that for my, for my youngest kid. And the idea that you get up in the morning and first things first, you make your bed and then you go on making positive decisions about your yourself and, and being self-disciplined. Those are all good things that Jordan Peterson did. I think now with his new, <clears throat> excuse me, with his new Daily Wire show, he's broadening out his audience a bit. And I think he focuses on that less. But I will say one thing about Jordan Peterson. A couple of months ago, he was interviewed, I think, by Piers Morgan, who asked him about the incel movement, these young men who are called, uh, they're, cel they're celibate because women are not attracted to them. That's the 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 paradigm anyway. And, um, and they're reviled, and apparently some of these mass shooters have been incels as well which is a really cruel way of looking at a bunch of people. That's not how you look at people, right? If they're, if they're screwed up, why are they screwed up? Why are they in the basement watching their, you know, watching porn and playing video games and getting fat? Like, why is that happening? This is not good. We've got to start paying attention to our kids, especially young yeah. men, right? And Jordan, well, they, um, yeah. he started crying. When, when Piers asked him mm. to talk about it, he he actually teared, he choked up. And it made me like him so much because he does feel things very, very deeply. And he must be a hell of a good therapist, too, if that's how he responds to mm. things. But sorry, what were you going to say, Karen? We're, we got to wrap up, too. But uh, give me your, your best minute <laughs> no, and a half just, on that. Um, oh, I don't know. I actually, I was, then I just forgot my, my thought went away. But, um, <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, no, no. I think that, um, yeah, there, I mean, I had an experience where, I don't know if I have enough time to tell this, but when I was in the, when I was fighting in the gym and some guy, wanted to fight me and he kicked me right up my uh, right up between my legs he kicked me and it was extremely painful but not I guess as painful yeah. as it would be for a guy I don't know but the man yeah. in the gym took him outside they beat him up and said don't ever come back here again yeah. uh, to me that's you know that was a though they were men <laughs> they did what men are supposed to do, you know, yeah. and, um, and the men are, you know, the men are being sort of told that they can't be men. I think men, must, yeah. it must be very hard to be a man, man right now. It must be very It confusing. is hard because they also have to fight their nature, right? And, and so, yeah, like, can we, can we cheer for that? I guess we can't cheer for that. But it's like the New York subway guy, I've forgotten his name now, shame on me, who mm -hmm. had that guy in a chokehold. I mean, he was threatening to kill people. What was he supposed to do? Clearly this guy didn't think he was going to kill him that's ridiculous and and he was being cheered on by the people in the subway car it's what's interesting about that story karen is the reframing of it by the media and lefty politicians in new york isn't it i mean it's a tragedy the guy died for sure but clearly yeah. he didn't mean it and he was you know he was the guy was threatening people yeah <laughs> you hear you hear the music, don't you, Karen? Which means you I do hear the music. A brilliant, <laughs> a brilliant. Anyway, come to my Substack. <laughs> I, I I will come to your Substack, which I do a lot. Are you in Costa Rica? Or are you back? 
No, that's what I wanted to say. I went there to, to I thought I'm going to escape all this, but I realized I needed to come back. I'm back. I'm in Phoenix now because I had to be in the battle. I can't go and escape to Costa Rica. So We need yeah. you, sister. We need you. Exactly. And we'll have you back on really soon. I'm glad you're back. Bye, Karen. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. This is Trish Wood. See you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.